the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast that takes a peek under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. We are. And this week we're looking at part two of Nikki's story. If you've been listening to the first part, you'll know that there is a very tempting second part to what she told us. If you haven't listened to it, we'll summarise it now, but I would recommend going back to find out exactly what she said. After moving to the English countryside to a lovely village called Ilma, Nikki's story really begins when her and her husband are watching TV one night and see a ghostly apparition. One evening, a bright light absolutely categorically came down the stairs and took the form of a little girl and walked into the wardrobe that was in the hallway where we kept our coats. Fast forward a few months and Nikki's son is suffering from terrible nightmares and says he's being haunted by a strange man. One night, it, it sort of, I made sense of it and he said, no, the man, the man. And he kept saying about the man. And I'd say, what man? And he'd say, he's going to hurt me. That was the first thing that he would say. Uh, and then he'd say, he's got a stick with a sharp thing on the end of it. He only said that to me once. Um... But subsequently, later down the line, when things started unfolding, somebody else said that to me as well. After taking her son to a number of doctors, Nikki is becoming increasingly desperate when things do not improve. One day, a friend of mine said to me, it sounds like your son's possessed. Literally like a joking, flippant thing. And then something sort of hit me and I thought... What is that? I mean, maybe he is. So I'm now thinking I've got to do something about it, but what do I do about it? I don't know what to do. Um, do I get a vicar? Out of pure desperation, paranormal skeptic Nikki contacts a local psychic. Amy comes to meet me at the house and she immediately just went into it. She said, There's, there's a lot of energy coming through your house. I'm feeling like it's starting up here. She's pointing to the top right corner. She said, it's coming from the top of the house. It's winding its way down the stairs and it's going out your door. So she keeps going on uh, and she says, I'm sitting uh, around, I'm in a flower bed. There's vegetables and flowers growing here. I'm feeling really safe. There's sun coming at me from here and I'm feeling safe in here. But over there, I don't want to be. She says it's damp, it's mulchy, it's not a good energy. The psychic, Nikki and Liz, said she couldn't help her but did recommend some people who could. In the meantime, Nikki and her family visit a local crystal shop and have a very strange, spooky experience. And I'm looking at these beautiful crystals and all of a sudden my bag gets knocked off my back and swings down and I just about save it from crushing all the crystals in the nice glass shelves. And I just quickly turned and went, oh, I'm sorry. And there was nobody there. The woman behind the counter went, <laughs> gave us a chuckle. She said, that happens a lot in here. <laughs> So I'm thinking, okay. She said, um, somebody followed you when you came into this shop. Can you smell tobacco? And I said, no, no, I can't. 
She said, I'm getting a whiff of tobacco. She said, it's okay, he's not going to hurt you, but there's a man and he's pretty tall and he's got these ovals on, done up with braces. He's quite a big, strong man. And he's filthy, you know, from his knees down. He's got muck all over him. And it's like there's this kind of bogginess that's coming with it. It's like a mulch. There's that word again. A second wave of psychics arrive at Nikki's house. They tell her that her house is haunted by a spirit who wants to pass on to the other side. Gloria says to me, does the name Reg mean anything to you? And I said, no. She said, oh, darling, this is amazing. His wife's been waiting for him for over a 100 years. He's afraid of retribution and he doesn't want to pass over to the other side because he thinks he's going to be in trouble. And here it comes. Here comes the story. Somebody did his wife wrong. It wasn't clear whether he had assaulted her sexually or physically or something. But it was enough to make Reg, the husband's blood boil. And they are working in the same vicinity, but some way away from this other guy. And Reg makes a long-handled object with a sharp knife on the end and he kills the other man so he murders who has wronged his wife therefore he's obviously afraid of judgment so they also told her other things like a house was built on something like a stable that contained cattle or horses that this man who had committed the murder, was working on the railways, maybe with these animals, laying steel tracks for the railways, and and, and some other details as well. They basically tell Nikki that they've helped cross this man over to the other side while they're at her house during this visit. And Nikki says from that moment on, her son was fine, none of this weirdness kept happening. It was cured basically after these two women came and saw her house and did their psychic work there. So the obvious next stage in this story was to find out, does Reg exist? So in the period between recording the first episode and this episode, we've both been quite busy with the help of various other people in historical societies, and we have found some very interesting facts, and so we've brought back Nikki to explain to her what we found, and let's see where we go. Okay, so welcome back, Nikki. You are probably wondering why you're back so soon, but um, not not saying we've cracked it, but we definitely came up with some interesting stuff. And uh, Ben, why don't you start us off on the uh, journey that we've been through? Yeah. So the first thing that we did, the most obvious thing, was to go to Ilma. And... It's a very small place. I don't think we'd appreciated what a small place it is. Yeah, it's tiny. It's very tiny. And so we gravitated towards the church. And as we were looking for Rach, we decided to go around all of the gravestones in the church. Okay. Looking for a Rach. And we were armed with the knowledge that Rach isn't just short for Reginald. Oh, 
it's it's short for Roland and all sorts of other names. But we didn't get anywhere. But that was just the first the first stop. We did go into the church. We did have a look around for records, but all we found were church leaflets and Bibles, and we looked around. It's a very atmospheric village, it's by lovely. the way. It's yeah. very lovely, yeah. And and we were looking out for the footpaths that you described. It was. Did you find the one? Well, I, we found we found two, and so we're not sure which one it is. But we now know which is your house before the bridge. So I think we know which yeah, which one it is. I think we do. But then. I discovered online a resource for uh, historians and I got in contact with a Buckinghamshire specialist historian. Oh, cool. And we started looking at census records. And the censuses aren't particularly large. They get as far as about 74 people. So we were looking, uh, because they're every 10 years, we were looking at 1891 and 1901. And whenever they emailed them through, we were going through them almost feverishly looking for a reg. Of course, yeah. But what we found was lots and lots of farm workers and lots and lots of people who were classified as drovers or similar. But we didn't find a reg. But then I came a bit cleaner with our historian and said, look, what I'm looking for is this particular incident, a woman who was wronged by somebody whose husband took revenge. And that's when we got an email back saying, oh, I have heard about something like that, but it's been about 30 years. Let me go away and I'll come back to you. You mean it's been about 30 years since he's heard about it? Yeah, the historian... Well, the historian remembered something that sounded similar but couldn't remember where the documentation or anything was. So so give me some time to kind of go back and have a look at it. So in the meantime, I... Well, we both did. We both started thinking, well, let's go and research the local area. Um, So I did a little bit of research on Ilma as a village and found some interesting stuff. Nothing kind of spectacular, but Mm. my first one, which really made me chuckle, is... Did you know Ilma was featured in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I really struggled to say? Well, I do. <laughs> you do and know I that. do know that because I cannot remember who told us. It may well have been one of our neighbours at the top of the village. But Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was a favourite of our children's because somebody had told us that it was in that and we'd watched it. And there is a scene where the dad's. Uh, you know, uh, truly scrumptious. His dad is like right. you know, off on one and chasing after somebody, and they're going down this country lane, and these guys are trying to steal Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and they put like a false, a false uh, screen over the top of the bridge that makes it look like it is the road, um, but they swerve off just in time, and they swerve into the driveway. Oh really? Oh, of your house? Of our house? Okay. Ah. But our house wasn't built then. So the house was existing is the one that's right next door to the track. The house that we lived in was not that house. It was the house that was to the side, which actually would figure 
if we're talking about animals and yeah. mulch right. <laughs> and well, all that sort of stuff. Well, we'll come on to that. I okay. Mean, so the other, the other thing I found was uh, that Ilma was actually the main settlement in the whole of the area until the mid-1300s. When it was wiped out by the plague, by the Black Death, which immediately made me think of your ladies running up and down going, there's so much going on here. Oh, of course. So, I don't know, that I thought was really interesting, but it was... That was, you know, basically the main place within the in the local area. Good it was a, a huge settlement to the mid 1300s. Because I know the church is really young, old, isn't it? It's 13th century or something. Yeah. You know, that's incredibly old. Yeah. I guess there's a couple of places in Towersy that are sort of around that age as yeah. well. Well, the other the other two things that came up when we talked to you last time. There was a lot around the animals. There was the mulch, which was kind of mentioned a lot. Um, the other thing I found out about the area was in the 1800s, it was used by drovers who used to take their animals to market. So it was used as a kind of place where you could shelter animals if the weather was bad while they were taking them to market to tame in the local area or London. So there were buildings there in the 1800s where animals would be stored, even if it be temporarily. Gosh. Which was quite interesting. That is very interesting. Um, there wouldn't have been any plans for where that was, would there? No, no. Plans, no. Uh, yeah. Because, well, I come on, because after the 1800s, it's saying that the area was basically, there were very few private settlements there. So there are very few houses there. But what it was was uh, a lot of farmland, a lot of farm buildings. And I wrote something down while I was doing the research and I'd forgotten something you'd said. And when I listened back, it really struck me. There were a lot of flower nurseries there. And you were telling us about the first person saying, I'm sitting in a flower bed. Yes. So that really struck with me. Because I, I thought flowers sitting in a flower bed, I'd immediately assumed, oh, it's somebody's front garden or whatever. Well, in, in those days, they didn't really grow flowers. That was like a sort of a luxury. Who had the time for that? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And it, interesting. it was one of those things I'd, I'd written down and hadn't thought about. And then I was listening back and went, oh, my God, she said, yeah, I'm sitting in a flower bed, which kind of would make sense. And actually, um, it was interesting because the sunlight would be on that bit right. for a lot of the day. Right. So it would be quite a, quite a good place to grow flowers, I should imagine. Yeah, yeah. But so we've got the animals with the kind of mulchy stuff, flowers. Um, and obviously later it was used as a place uh, for the railways. Okay. Um, there was an interesting bit that uh, I read in a history book which said that what people would, what they would do is bring mud and other stuff and soil from the local area to help build the embankments of the railway and there was a thing there's a a a technique they used i think it's called golden hoof or golden hoofing where you basically take animals like sheep or um horses or whatever and you get them to stand on the embankments and bed down the soil so they're impacting it so again, there would have been farm buildings there for even that bit, let alone transferring things like the the railway steel and stuff Good that they grief. used in construction. 
Yeah. So, so that they, was all going There on. would have been animals there then from the grassroots of even thinking about putting a railway there. Yeah, right, way back because it was yeah. farmlands, the flowers thing, and then when the railway came, there were animals there for the railway and used to help create the embankments. And when we saw, there are those big embankments, aren't there? They yeah. kind of They're go huge. up to where the bridge Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, in the meantime, you got an email back from your historian, right? Yeah, I did. So what she told me was there was an incident where a gentleman took revenge on two workers for doing wrong to his wife. No. Yeah. And she didn't remember where this was. She knew it was close by. She knew it was close by. She yeah. didn't give us a name, but she said what was what was really interesting. She said it was a double murder. Ooh. And that was what piqued our interest. <laughs> I'm not even surprised. More. It's peaking mine right now. So we still don't know what they did to her. But he certainly went on and made a name for himself. Yeah. Now, so I'm going to start this bit off by I started thinking about when basically we tried looking for Edge. We really, yeah, yeah, we really yeah. tried everywhere. But we started thinking, well, is Reg his real name? Could Reg be a middle name? Could it be a nickname? Uh, well, I, my father's called Peter, but his real name's Carl. Right, I've I've got a friend um, called Joe who I'd known for about three years before I realised his name's actually Paul. He just doesn't like being called Paul. So we kind of felt we've only got this thing, Reg. We're not sure what it's short for. We don't know if it's his real name. This lead seems like a good one because it's yeah. railway workers. But, you know, you, when you're researching this, you're conscious of, are we just making the story fit what we I need? Know. Yeah, of course. It always does run through your mind. You know, you, you explain it away, don't you? Yeah, exactly. So I started thinking, well, let's think about the statistics of this. So I found out that it came in the 1900s, which, you know, we were looking from the kind of mid-1850s to the kind of 1920s, 1930s, because that kind of fit the, the, the range that you were saying and it tied in with construction of the railways. Yeah. Um, the murder rate in the whole of the country at that point was uh, one in 100,000 people. Um, and that was pretty stable throughout that whole period. Now, when we looked at the census, I looked at the census, the last census that you can look at, from 1911, there were roughly in the Buckinghamshire area just over 200,000 people living there. So that kind of equates to... Narrowing it right down. It's two murders a year, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, if you then factor in what we knew about location. railway workers, location, you know, I don't know the math of this because it's difficult to calculate it, but if there are only two murders a year in the whole of Buckinghamshire and we've narrowed it down to a smaller location... The area in and around Ilma, yeah. um, and railway workers. How many are there? Right? And the thing is, I don't know whether Reg committed that crime there, or he sought revenge somewhere else. Right. But that was where he resided. I don't know. So then I came across a couple of. Uh, I started searching for this double murder railway, this thing that this the historian was talking about, yeah. and I found it. <gasps> <laughs> 
I found it in a book on, uh, an old book on murders in the area. I found it uh, in local newspapers, which I managed to source. So, this guy's not called Reg. Okay. Let's start with that. Okay. This guy that we're talking about is called Thomas Gilbert. Okay. Um, now, his, he worked as a foreman plate layer on the railways. So a plate layer is, well, he oversaw and laid the tracks and maintained the tracks in the local area. And he lived in Little Kimball, yes. no, which it's... is three miles from Ilma, as yes. the crow flies. I know it, yeah. Yeah, so it's close, right? Yeah. Now, he, his background really started in 1911 when he was working in the railways in Nottingham. So he wasn't from this area. Now, he accused a man called Elijah Parker of having intentions on his wife. Okay. Um, He also said that this man was trying to poison him, that he was trying to poison his tea and kill him, this Elijah. Obviously somebody who was underneath him if he's supposed to be giving him tea. Yeah, correct. Correct. So he accused him of this. There was a big to-do. There was a kind of disciplinary hearing. But rather than discipline, what they decided to do was move this guy, Thomas Gilbert, to this area, to the Little Kimball, to, to, near, to near where you lived, effectively. So he moved uh, in that year, in 1911. So he was living in Little Kimball with his wife, Letty, which I believe is short for Lettuce at the time, which I didn't realise was a name, but incredible name. So, yeah, he's three miles from Ilmer at this point, and he's definitely working on the railway and likely to be working in the area that you um, you were living at because we've all seen that there's a kind of railway base there anyway. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, he, he moved to Little Kimball with his wife and children. After a while, uh, he had two men working for him and he started accusing them of stuff as well crikey so the 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 row between uh thomas gilbert and these men started and this sparked something in me as well started when thomas gilbert the guy who goes on to commit the murder accused one of the men of smoking on the job oh my god (laughs) you know what's going through my mind yeah cigarette smoke yeah smell i get a smell of tobacco right yeah oh crikey so this, this, so he said this, Thomas Gilbert, about this man. Um, he then apparently threatened this guy, a guy called Busby, um, who went to a supervisor of Gilbert's and said, you know, this guy's accusing me of all this stuff, can't work with him. Um, in the meantime, Gilbert's saying that these guys, there's two guys, a guy called uh, Busby and a guy called Walter Tucker, he, this guy Gilbert is is convinced that these two men are plotting against him and trying to kill them. He kill him. He also accuses them of poisoning his tea, which was he's got form <laughs> of doing in the past. He doesn't right? sound terribly stable, does he? So there was a hearing he- held on the twenty eighth of August in nineteen fourteen, um, and it was to see whether this guy Thomas Gilbert should be fired from the railway. Now, one of the men, Busby, had they'd got into an argument um, and 
Busby had threatened to hit him or punch him or something. So the railway didn't know quite how to deal with this because it's like, well, there's two sides to the story. So the hearing was adjourned for a couple of weeks' time while they kind of re-evaluated and gathered what they were going to do. So the next day, early on August the 29th, Busby and Tucker are found murdered in a tool shed near the railway station in Little Kimball. Gilbert is arrested and confesses to the murder. I think, Ben, you've got what he said to the police when he was arrested. My name is Thomas Gilbert, and I reside at number three Icknield Cottages, Little Kimball, and I'm a foreman plate layer on the Great Western and Great Central Railway. My length extends from the station to a mile on the other side of Marsh Crossing. I am married and have three children. I have got two men in my section. Their names are Charles Busby and Walter Tucker. Yesterday, we had an official inquiry through Busby wanting to fight me, but I have never struck him. After the inquiry yesterday, I heard Busby say, I shall get a revolver. He said that two or three times. He has threatened two or three times that he would do me in. He also told a man some time ago that he would put me over. The man was Wyatt of Smoky Row, Great Kimball. At 6.15 this morning, Saturday, August 29th, Charles Busby came into the cabin where I was. I had some suspicion that he had the revolver, which he had spoken about before. Being suspicious, I went for him and knocked him over with a pick shaft. The other man, Tucker tried to hold me, but I knocked him over, also with the same weapon. I don't think I killed him either. I then went and informed the police that I had knocked them over. I did not know whether I had killed them. I got to my cabin at six o'clock, and Tucker arrived directly after me. So. Good Lord. So he was charged with murder. What's a pick shaft? We'll come on to that. He was charged with murder, um... When it went to court, because he'd confessed, he basically pled insanity because... I know, that's an absolute confession. So yeah, I the mean, evidence he, must have been way stacked against him. It, well, it looks like a combination of some kind of loose self-defence, as in, I thought they were going to kill me, so I attacked them. But ultimately, he pleaded insanity because if he's found guilty of murder, it's the death penalty, right? So... But then a medical superintendent from Oxford County Lunatic Asylum, as they were called in those days, said at the trial that Gilbert suffered from delusions and is of unsound mind. So he kind of spoke up in his defence, basically. Um, So let's come on. You mentioned the weapon. Let's come on to the weapon. Yeah. Because there are two things about the weapon where I was researching and had a little bit of a oh my god moment when we were going around Ilma I I was saying to Ben I don't get this description of the the weapon why wouldn't you just hit somebody with a stick or stab them with a knife I don't understand why you would make a weapon out of the two and we kind of debated it quite a lot didn't we yeah we did yeah um so and I was going I just I just don't understand it Then when I was going through the transcripts of the trial, I found a quote from the first witness, which, well, I'll see what your reaction is to this because it just blew me away. 
Gilbert's neighbour was called as a witness because he'd seen Gilbert leaving for work in the morning that the murders were committed. He said, I saw Gilbert leave at 6.45 for the station. He was carrying his stick, as he always did. (laughs) There you go. Which... Now, the other thing was, in his confession, he talks about this kind of pick, pick handle, but they're not sure that he committed the crime with that because they found a bag that he'd abandoned near the murder scene and it contained what's called a keying hammer. Now, I didn't know what a keying hammer was, so did a bit of kind of research and Googling. I know you're not going to be able to hear this on the podcast, um, but we're going to show Nikki what a keying hammer is and then maybe, Ben, if you can kind of describe it. So this is the head of a keying hammer. So a keying hammer is a long piece of wood, like a hammer handle, but very much longer. Oh, God. And on the end are various interchangeable heads uh, that are very hammer-like, but they are very much sharper than a normal hammer. Yeah, that's definitely sharper. Yeah. And you attach them to the shafts. Some uh, some of them, not all of them, but you attach them to the shaft. And they they only found the key hammer head. So the implication being that he'd taken maybe this this pickaxe shaft and he'd put one of the heads from his keying hammer onto the shaft and committed the murder. Oh, my God. So, again... Your two ladies who came round saying he made a weapon with a... That explained to me... It's very, 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 very close. Too close for it to be a coincidence. And you see, the thing is, of course, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's just... It's just too... But, But it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Because none of it surprises me anymore. You know, because Theo is not suffering any of that and he's not even scared by it now even going over it you know it's just incredible well they didn't buy his defense of insanity so he was found guilty right he was sentenced to death um his final words he he kind of reiterated the story he'd given that you know he thought they were going to kill him he stuck to that the last thing he said was he quoted the Lord's Prayer, which made me think about... Yeah, how he was... Oh, I've got those goosebumps going up my right <laughs> arm now. How he was scared to yeah. pass over to the other side. And this is what other people have told me, is that, you know, you can make a decision. Uh, you go to your final resting place, give your soul a break before you go into the next world... Uh, and face everything and and come to or you stay in what what I suppose some people would call hell although I'm not sure I believe in heaven and hell which is you're stuck yeah well interestingly um he launched an appeal um and again pushed this thing of you know he he was it was an insanity defense again um and in the book I read about the murder um, the the guy who was writing it, I think rightly, was claiming, I think in these days he may be kind of diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic because he was he had all these conspiracy, people were all out to get him. There's a lot that makes sense of, them, of that. Um, and uh, 
the jury agreed and they basically reduced his sentence from a death sentence uh, and he was sent to, to a Broadmoor. They, would they think, they think. It's not 100% sure. They're pretty sure he was sent to Broadmoor. So then I started to think about, oh, sorry, he, he was sent to Broadmoor, but he died in a place called Bashford in Nottinghamshire in his home county. Back where he came from. In 1938. Okay, so many years later. Yeah, quite a few years later. So I don't know, in the meantime, I, I think if he'd have died in Broadmoor, he would have been registered as being dead there. Dead there yeah, rather yeah than, there would have been a record. There would have had to have been a record. Right? So, it, so it seems like he was uh, released. Now, I then started thinking about his wife, um, which is quite a dangerous thing to do, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I thought I'd try and find her on any kind of death records or whatever. Idea. So I did a search for, uh, there are a few uh, variations on the, the shortened name for, for Letty. There's Lettuce, there's some others. Uh, surprisingly, there was quite a lot of Letty, Lettuce, whatever, Gilberts came up. So just on a whim, I narrowed it down to Nottinghamshire. Oh, yeah. Now... There was a Lettuce A. Gilbert who died aged 74 in 1942 in Bashford in Nottinghamshire, the same place that he died. So he's obviously gone back. So it sounded like he's gone back. She's forgiven him. You know, because originally I was thinking, well, maybe she'd moved to Ilma, trying to find this direct Ilma connection. These ladies were very convinced that they were besotted with each other. That's interesting. This couple. Right. So... She would have wanted him to come back to her, I think, but just by what they were saying. Right. Gloria came out of that room crying with joy that she had done some good yeah. because these two loved each other like beyond human measure. Wow. Because well, I just kept thinking, this poor woman has been through all this stuff. She's in a place that, you know, she's been there a couple of years, but it's a place that's not her home. Her husband's been arrested for these murders. She's somehow connected in it because of, the, you know, his delusions. Because um, I, I, I was thinking, did she move to Ilmore or something? You think, no, you just go home, wouldn't you? And yeah, it, you so would. it made sense. Yeah. Especially if um, you've got two children and you're a woman yeah. whose husband is in prison in those days. That was, you know, you were looked down upon yeah. for and, that. And I, you know... There's no record of him being released from prison. It's just the the death thing, which is place of death, which kind of makes sense. Um, you know, but, but you think perhaps if he was in prison under insanity, there would have been some kind of uh, you know, relaxation on a sentence, surely. So perhaps they'd have thought, well, yes, he's insane, but he's not as insane as some of the other insane people yeah, we've yeah. got here. Let's just let him go, or something. But, you know, I, I just thought, God, that Letty, his wife, if, if that is her, but it seems very likely that it is, um, what she'd been through, and it seems that she took him back. So it kind of ties in with what you're just saying about, you know, the kind of besotted nature of their relationship. Yeah. So that's, that's the key stuff we found, apart from when, when I was doodling on my notepad and writing down uh, Thomas Gilbert, Thomas Gilbert, and I started playing around with anagrams. It's not a, it's not a full anagram, but you can make an anagram out of it that says Tom is rich. 
Brilliant. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, that's what we found out. Oh, this is a huge heap of stuff. I had no idea you were going to go away and do all of this stuff, and that just just makes so much sense. Does that does it kind of feel yeah, that that's does. the story? It does. Okay. It definitely feels that it's the story. Because ultimately, Gloria and Maria didn't give me heaps of information. And to be honest, they weren't looking for heaps of information. They were looking to rid me of the trouble that I was going through and the children were going through. So, you know, if if I'd have asked them at the time some of these questions, it would have been so interesting to know. Yeah. But, yeah... So many things ring true, and I don't need convincing that yeah. that this is the truth of it. Uh, meaning that that is exactly what was going on in my house. But having extra facts just like this is 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 very. I don't know. It's just it's just reassuring, isn't it? It's just another reassurance that that you know. Well, I was already sold, but I mean, uh, you know. I think all, any kind of sceptical bit in my mind about is this the person that we're talking about, you know, the, doing the statistical account of, you know, two murders a year in the whole of Buckinghamshire, tying in railways, tying in the area. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. some kind of a crime of passion. Yeah. And, and the weapon, the weapon yeah. bit just blew me away. That just, yeah. The, the piece that I'm looking for and I think the only way to do it is to probably talk to the psychics is to find out whether Thomas called himself Reg or people called him Reg. But as we all agree, that wouldn't be beyond the realms at all. Well, the other thing was interesting talking um, to the historian, the local historian, uh, they were saying that, Actually, Reg at that time in the south of England wasn't a very common name. So, and we and we saw that going through the census information. We couldn't find a Reg, any Reg, you know, no. anywhere in the local area no. or even wider. I think we went kind of in the whole of Buckinghamshire census. I mean, you know, everything. So, yeah, I mean, it could have even been a pet name, couldn't it? Pet name from his wife yeah. or something. It, you know, who knows? Yeah. And like, and like you said, it would be good, you know, because I think we, when we start investigating it, we were we were very literal, yeah. you know. It's Reg, and it's going to be in this kind of, you know, uh, acre <laughs> of land, and it's got to be something tied with there. But would you we like don't know me to? Um, would you like me to see if I can get in touch with Amy, and and would you like to talk to her and? talk to the ladies and all of that kind of stuff would that be of interest it would be great yeah it would be great i think that'd be amazing yeah amy's just divine you'll love her um she's very quirky uh but knowing what you know about her you'll be totally cool with that yeah yeah Uh, because i know that you guys are interested in that sort of thing anyway yeah um she's absolutely lovely um and very interesting i think the other thing to say is after we talked to you, we were going, right, we're going to look into this stuff. Um, and there's a bit of you that goes, right, we'll do a quick Google and we'll find it all. No, you and, won't. And, and, no, you won't. And we, and we didn't. And, it, no. and I'll tell you what, I'm glad we didn't. Because if you 
did, then it would be easier to kind of write off. Ah, absolutely. Finding this stuff was not easy. No, it but wasn't. But that's, isn't that lovely? Because it's so rare to, to have a project like that and to, it, it, isn't it more satisfying? Yeah, definitely. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 And like I said, I was, you know, I think both of us are quite conscious of, you know, are we kind of knocking this square peg into a round hole? But there was enough there to make us go, it's pretty there's some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. I'm not uh, saying we cracked it, but there's some pretty interesting stuff. I like to um, uh, uh, think about life as sort of doors opening and doors closing. And it seems very much from your journey that there were lots of doors opening yeah. for you to be able to source those kinds of information. You know, there was definitely enough in there that from my story or from my experience you could latch on to any one of those pieces into that, you know. And I think if there wasn't, I don't know, maybe I am a bit quirky myself, but I feel if doors are closing and you cannot find anything in this, this, that and the other, then it just wasn't meant to be. Mm. Yeah. There's there's too many similarities mm. for it to come up. There is, there's, it, it goes back to what we were saying in episode one, there is no reason because nobody took any money and the research even to turn up as something as uh, simple as understanding that Ilma was a place where people grew flowers that was not an easy fact to find no even the things I knew I knew it was in the doomsday book Mm. I knew about the plague Um, I didn't know about the flowers right right Amy, I, I, I kept th- I kept thinking as well yeah. of that kind of there's there's I think it's a police thing that they do saying, you know, witnesses who get all the facts right, they're very suspicious of because mm. it, it sounds rehearsed. I think there's there's an, <laughs> yeah. there's enough bits which that you know we haven't got a whole story. There's nothing we can say. It happened. Definitely, it that. happened under your house. And here's this guy called Thomas Reg Gilbert. You know. But, you know, in a way that makes me feel like, yeah, as long as there's enough to kind of tie it in, and I think the statistics, how close it is to the place, mm. the weapon, the railway stuff, it's enough to make you go, it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that the, the psychics were saying that he was wanting to go and join his wife... So, obviously, she'd done... She seemed to have, by all accounts on the records, led a blameless life, and he was defending her. That kind of makes intellectual sense that he's worried she's over there and he's worried about going over there. I would love to know what was said to him to convince him to go over there. Yeah, from Gloria, yeah. Yeah, right. Or the, you know, what I was saying, the guilt of what he's effectively put her through with his delusions. I mean, maybe his kind sure. of delusions were cured and that's why he was released. And maybe he's realised, oh my God. But also, what? we don't know, you know, okay, poison in tea and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that was kind of, that kind of stuff happened a lot during yeah. those days. Right. And we don't know what she was like. She could have been an incredibly beautiful woman that most men would feast their eyes on. Yeah, yeah. And if you're with somebody like that, you can often feel like everyone wants to steal your wife. 
can't you? So, I mean, you know, it's all plausible. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be insane to be no, feeling exactly. that. I know plenty of people who aren't that insane, who, yeah. who get really jealous and, and invent all sorts of things in their minds. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, thank you. No, thank no, you. Is, uh, that has been a joy to look into. It really it? has. I mean, we thought, we literally thought we're going to go there and, yeah, there was some farm buildings. That was <laughs> what we thought we were going to come back with. And it was going to be a footnote to episode one. But the fact that we found all this stuff is great. You know how I talk about doors opening and stuff, but it's quite funny, isn't it, that as neighbours, I can't even remember how we got talking about all of this stuff. We were walking our dogs <laughs> down to the park. There you go. Mm. And it just came. Did I just start talking about it? No, you uh, you said, are you walking your dog around the park? And I said, no, I'm meeting my friend Peter in the pub. We're That's doing it. We're doing pre-production on a podcast. And you said, what's it about? That's it. And I said, don't laugh, it's the paranormal. And you said, well, here's a story. So there you go. That's what I'm talking about, doors yeah, yeah. opening. Those kind of connections being blissfully and innocently made. It's, yeah. it's, it's all uncanny. Well, it's been quite a, quite a journey and uh, yeah. a real revealing one, I think. Well, I wonder whether any of this sort of resonates through to Reg on the other side. And oh, yeah. This Maybe. is, yeah... Maybe maybe this is all part of part of something that was was meant to be. Gosh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll keep digging away at these kind of stories. It's it's definitely been yeah fun well, to do. It sounds it sounds like there might be a part three as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe. But once again, Nikki, thank you. So oh, much. you're welcome. Thank you very much. And let's be very suspicious about anyone with a stick. Yeah, definitely. Or <laughs> <All> mulchy. <laughs> mulchy. Mulchy stick people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, excellent. If you do have a story or just want to leave us a comment, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, it's at TQM Podcast. Or just search The Quantum Mechanics and find us that way. It's worth uh, following us and checking those feeds out because we will be posting images and other information that does relate to the uh, podcast. So, um, well, we hope to uh, see you next time on The Quantum Mechanics. the quantum mechanics.